The following is audio from The Refuge Church. Every sermon is an invitation to understand, obey, and enjoy God. More information about The Refuge Church is available at therefugechurch.us. In our home, we have been talking about the naughty and nice list. Obviously, you all would know that I'd be on the nice list. Um, If you're shaking your head no right now, you will be on my naughty list. Uh, I told my wife just a couple of days ago when uh, she did something, I can't remember what it was now, but that she is at risk of being on the naughty list. Um, You know, from the day after Thanksgiving, right, Black Friday, Small Business Saturday, Cyber Monday, and then there's a little Giving Tuesday thrown in there, right? And which actually was a huge blessing to the Coffee Oasis this year. Um, I mean, it's we get this onslaught of it's all about stuff, right? Um, so I have a confession. Uh, that uh, for the first, you know, when we started raising a family, my wife and I, that I was probably the ultimate Grinch for several years because I, <laughs> okay, I was on the naughty list, at least my family's naughty list, uh, because I struggled so much with Christmas being about stuff. Um, and uh, and so I fought it for years. I mean, how to how to get my family, my young little kids who just wanted to love Christmas, and you know, to get them focused on Jesus uh, instead of all the materialism that surrounds us. So I battled materialism. It wasn't that I wanted to be a minimum, a minimal, minimal. Minimalist. See, I don't even know the word, but my wife taught me about it a couple days ago, so I wanted to use it. Now I blew it. So it's not that I wanted to, you know, eliminate stuff. It's just that I wanted to refocus so that our kids would grow up realizing that Christmas was about Jesus and not about Santa and presents, uh, although that's okay now. Um, in the process, what I did was I made Christmas pretty unhappy for most of, for my kids for several years, as their dad was on this you know focus of eliminating materialism. I came to realize what my problem was, and it's kind of what our focus is going to be as we're going through this series on a Christmas critique, and by a Christmas critique meaning. Uh, what does the Bible say about these different things? Last week, Daniel talked about a Christmas critique of um, power. And what does Christmas tell us about power? Uh, next week, it's going to be a Christmas critique of politics. <laughs> You'll want to be here for that one. Um, and then a Christmas critique of popularity. Today, it's this Christmas critique of possessions. You know, I came to realize that I was fighting the wrong battle. I was trying to get my kids to give up 
uh, you know, this focus on presence, when I came to realize that the one who needed to give up something was really me. Um, and so that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Um, and what it, the Bible is really asking us to give up as a part of this Christmas perspective. Um, so the question is, what does Christmas tell us about possessions? Now, I think when we ask that question, the first things that come to our mind is things like uh, no room in the inn in Bethlehem, right? Or uh, Jesus was born in a barn and he was you know, laid in a, a manger, which probably most of us don't even know what a manger is, right? It's a feeding trough. <laughs> so he was, and then... And then his birth was announced. I mean, here he is, the king of kings, the lord of lords, and his birth announcement, it didn't appear in the society column of the Bethlehem Post. It, it was announced to some shepherds in this field way off in the middle of nowhere. And I think often that's what we focus on as we think about um, Christmas and we focus on that he was Jesus was homeless and that and that he didn't have this and he didn't have that. But I think the real focus, and we're going to look at it in a, in a passage that might not seem like a Christmas passage. Um, and this is the big idea that we live and Christmas enables us to live because God gave up. And we're going to look at what God gave up. And as a result, what he is asking us to give up if we really want to be a part of helping people live and experience the life of God. So we're going to look at Philippians 2. Um, and I want, I'm just going to kind of read it through to start with. If you'd follow along. It says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What did God give up that he possessed to give us a, this correct perspective? Um, if we can go back to the beginning, the first thing, I want you to notice, look at verse six, it says, Jesus, who being in very nature God, meaning Jesus was God, eternal God. John 1, 1 says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and, and everything that was made was made by him. So Jesus, very nature God, creator, eternal God in the universe, did not consider equality with God. So he's in very nature God, he's equal with God, but he didn't consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Think about Jesus coming to earth. 
2,000 Christmases ago and what that could have meant. Creator God showing up, all-powerful God showing up, all-wise God showing up. And how he could have used that to his own advantage to get people to acknowledge him and to worship him and to honor him as the creator God that he was. But it says he didn't consider that something to be used to his own advantage. You know, the first thing, if you're looking at the notes, that I believe God gave up was his rights. God gave up his rights. The point is that Jesus came relinquishing the independent exercise of his rights, his power, his authority, his wisdom. He gave up uh, being recognized as God. John 1 says he came into his own and his own didn't receive him. They didn't acknowledge him. He came giving up the right to be worshipped by his creation. Jesus came giving up his rights. Isn't that amazing? That's, that's what Christmas is about. G- Jesus possessed being God and he gave up that right to exercise that right. Uh, he didn't give up being God, but he gave up the right to be acknowledged as that God. Verse 7, it says, it goes on, it says, rather he made himself nothing Literally, it says he emptied himself. It's like people looked at him and they saw nothing. He he took upon himself the very nature of a servant. They saw him and they saw servant. They saw human being. They didn't see the God of the universe. He not only gave up his rights, but he gave up, I think, it really comes across powerfully in this verse, his reputation. Um, Think about the things that Jesus was called when he was on earth. Um, The religious leaders, when he would cast out demons, what did they accuse him of? They said he cast out demons because he himself is the ruler of demons. They, They called him demonic, the God of the universe. You know, my reputation is one of the most important things to me. It is. And Jesus gave up that reputation and was called demonic. He was called crazy. It says one time the people were, they were flocking around him so much that his family, it says, came to take control of him. They thought he'd lost his mind. Jesus gave up a reputation to be called out of his mind and crazy. He was called a fraud. Uh, He was called a friend of sinners and the slur that was meant by that is by the religious leaders is that he himself was a sinner. If you think back over Jesus' life as he began his ministry and John was baptizing people and people were standing in line to be baptized by John. It was a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, meaning anybody standing in line to be baptized by John was acknowledging that they were a sinner and they needed the Messiah who was to come to save them from their sins. And Jesus, in order to identify with us as sinners, though he was the sinless son of God, stood in line to be baptized by John. What would people think? Sinner. 
as the sinless son of God, stood in line to be baptized by John to identify with us as sinners so that as he hung on the cross and said, it is finished, paid in full, meaning our sins are taken care of. They were taken care of because he hung there in our place for our sin as a sinner, the sinless son of God. For God made him, 2 Corinthians 5.21, who made who knew no sin to become sin for us. So he hung there on the cross as sin, as our sin, so that we could become the righteousness of God in him. We could become right with God. Isn't that amazing? Reputation. He gave it up for people to look at him and think sinner so that he could offer us life. Verse 8, one more, it says, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by, become, by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And so Jesus, God himself, equal with God, gave up his right to be acknowledged as God, <laughs> gave up his reputation. People looked on him as a sinner and then ultimately gave up his life in order to provide us life. Isaiah 53, this is an incredible passage and it starts out, it's almost, the prophet Isaiah is almost incredulous. He says, who has believed our message? Who can even believe what I'm about ready to say? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? And arm of the Lord was a reference to the Messiah, Jesus, who would come. It says, who can even believe this? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. It's like he didn't fit in. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. That's not how a deliverer appears on the scene. We want to look our best. We want people to want us. But verse 3, he was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and, and familiar with pain like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him, the God of the universe, in low esteem. No reputation. And why was it? Because he took up our pain. He came to bear our suffering Yet we considered him punished by God, a sinner hanging on the cross for his own sins, stricken by him and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that would bring us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Isn't that amazing? What Jesus gave up, his rights, his reputation, and his very life in order that we might have life. But as we come to the end, I think it's an important conclusion to, to Philippians chapter 2 as we come to verse 9. Notice it says, Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And, 
And I think the fourth thing this tells us that Jesus gave up, and this is important because, you know, if Jesus hadn't given up his rights, his reputation, and his life for us, then his life would have just been another life. Another life. But Jesus also gave up, and I think we see it, gave up insignificance. Because he came with purpose. He came and gave up those things in order to provide us life. In order to give us what we couldn't get for ourselves, his life needed to be taken from him so that we could have life. He needed to be seen as a sinner in order that as the sinless son of God, he could die in our place as a sacrifice for our sins. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, it's great. Notice it says, fixing our eyes on Jesus. That's what we're called to do. Just keep our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. He came and gave up his rights, his reputation, his life, in order to sit down at the right hand of the throne of God as our Savior, as our Deliverer, as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He came purposefully. He gave up in order to provide us life. What about us? That's where we come back to the beginning of Philippians as we think, well, what does that have to do with us and Christmas? Verse 5, notice it says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. That's what we're called to. As we come into this Christmas season, we're called to be like Jesus, to be so incredibly amazed by what he gave up that we might have life that in the same way we would give up that others might have life. What does that mean? Let me just show you some verses. First one is in 1 Corinthians 9. What is God asking us to give up that others might live? I, he's asking us to give up our rights. This is Paul. He says, he says, though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law. So as to win those under the law, to those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but I'm under Christ's law so as to win those not having the law. And it might seem like a tongue twister, but what he's saying is, as he, you know, that he came and gave up to meet people where they were at so that by some means giving up himself, his rights, he might be able to offer to others the right to know Jesus. To the weak I became weak, to win the weak, I became all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. And I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. Question, what are you holding on to? Is there a right that you need to give up in order that someone might know 
life that's in Jesus, the right to your privacy. In Hebrews chapter 13, it says that um, we're encouraged to be hospitable because we might, it says, entertain angels unaware. Do some of us need to give up the right to privacy in order to invite someone into our home? Someone that doesn't have a home? Someone that needs a place to be for Christmas? Do we need to give up the right to your money that it's yours, it's not his, in order to generously give that others might experience life? Do you need to give up the right to your time uh, so that you can volunteer, you can help, you can care, you can show the love of Christ to others that desperately need it? Is there something like Jesus that you need to give up? 1 Corinthians chapter 4 not only about giving up our rights like Jesus, it's, it's being willing to give up our reputation maybe like him. This is Paul again. He says, it seems to me that God has put us apostles. The apostles were the, the leaders of the church. He says, God has put us apostles on display at the end of the procession. And that's not where we want to be, right? We want to be at the front where everybody, you know, like those condemned to die in the arena, we have been made a spectacle to the whole universe, to angels as well as to human beings. We are fools for Christ. But you are so wise in Christ. He's writing to the Corinthians, we're weak, but you are strong. You are honored. We are dishonored. To this very hour, we go hungry and thirsty. We are in rags. We are brutally treated. We are homeless We work hard with our own hands. When we're cursed, we bless. When we're persecuted, we endure it. When we are slandered, we answer kindly. Look at this. We have become the scum of the earth, the garbage of the world. That's the Apostle Paul, the leader, one of the leaders of the church, giving up, I mean, like no reputation giving up their rights, their reputation that others might learn about life in Jesus. Isn't that incredible? First Thessalonians 2.7. This is Paul again. He says, writing to the Thessalonians, we were like young children among you, like a nursing mother that cares for her children, so we cared for you. We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Paul says, we we were willing to give up our rights, our reputation, and our very lives. We just poured out our lives for you. We just gave you our all. We didn't hold anything back that you might know Jesus and the life that's in him. And then insignificance. You know, the point of doing this isn't like me just to ruin Christmas for my family. Well, that's not why I did it. Um, I thought I was redirecting their focus to where it needed to be. It, it's, it's not becoming a minimalist, just doing without. But it's, it's, it's actually back to 1 Corinthians 9.23, if we can go back there. 
Paul said, I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. It's giving up insignificance. It's, it's, it's giving up holding on to our rights and our reputations and our lives and living lives of insignificance because they're lives that are just us holding on to our lives instead of us giving up our lives for Jesus so that we might share in the blessings of the gospel. We might, we might be people who, because we give up our rights and our reputations, our lives, we see people's lives impacted. We see people knowing Jesus. We see people experiencing the life that's in Jesus. And we share in the blessings of the gospel. Jim Elliott, a guy who gave up his life many years ago, um, in order that the Aka Indians in South America would come to know Jesus. Uh, he said, just before he died as a martyr, he said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. How many of us are just, we're not giving up our rights, our reputations, our lives for Jesus, and as a result... We're just living lives that are losing out on experiencing the blessings of participating in life with Jesus. Um, question, are you living now or for eternity? Is it your life or his life? Are you worried about what people think or what God thinks? Are you worried about what people are going to say about you? or that people would come to know the life that is in Jesus that has become your life. Aren't these the things that are really the hardest possessions to give up? Um, it'd be hard for a little kid to give up a Lego set, right? Like it was hard for my kids uh, to give up what I shouldn't have been asking them to give up. Instead, what I should have been asking myself to give up. Not asking my kids to give up as I'm doing this fight against the materialism of Christmas, but but instead asking myself to give up uh, my expectations, my ideals, my perspective, my battle, my rights, my reputation, and my life, so that my kids. Uh, would really come to know the life that Christmas is all about, the life that Jesus came to offer instead of uh, just a Grinch. Um, what a difference it would make in our lives, wouldn't it be, in our relationships, in our community, if we had this Jesus mindset. This Jesus mindset. You know, I just kind of jotted down here as I concluded Lord, please help me to be willing, like Jesus, to give up my rights, my reputation, my life, in order that others might also experience the life that Jesus offers. Oh, man, what an incredible Christmas that would be. Now, if you're here this morning also, and you don't, you don't have the life that Jesus offers, the life that I've been talking about, Man, I tell you, I would happily give up the rest of my day to talk to you about Jesus. 
because I would long for anybody to know what this incredible Christmas story is about. It's about Jesus. Uh, and I hope that all of us will know that life in him. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you again just for this story that can become so old and yet it's so incredible. God, that you, that you gave up the adoration of angels, the exercise of your power Father, to be called a sinner by your creation, to hang on a cross that I might know life, that I might be back in relationship with you, God. Man, God, thank you so much for this incredible story that takes us 2,000 years back into history but just gives us a glimpse of the God that you are for us in Jesus. Amen.